a safer place. Jessica cuddled her sister Araceli's baby against her chest, one eye on her uncle's weathered hand staring the SUV. She couldn't wait to leave this flat, dusty, brown place. I'll never complain about the rain and Snoqualmie again. Her nose and eyes gritty from the dry heat. She sighed heavily. As soon as we get to the car seat, we can leave for Snoqualmie. If we take turns, we'll be there by tomorrow night, her uncle Enrique said his eyes almond-shaped and brown, identical to Jessica's. He was burly and solid, the gray in his mustache and hair softening his rugged features. Jessica shrugged. Driving 28 hours to El Paso was better than picking blueberries in the summer heat before her sophomore year. Her mother said she was good at high school only because she hated working. But mommy was clueless. She liked school, because if she got to college, she'd have a better life. I'll never pick crops again. It isn't your fault Araceli had to stay in Mexico, Tio said. And it isn't your fault that the migra caught her. Jessica blushed and stared out the window, long blonde strands with dark roots hiding her face. She scratched her knee, visible through her torn jeans, and swallowed. Her mother, pregnant with Jessica, had left Araceli in Mexico when she crossed the border 15 years before. Jessica complained her mother only cared about Araceli, resenting the hand-me-downs and money sent each month for her care. But now she was confused. When her grandmother, who cared for Araceli, died, the 18-year-old set out for Snoqualmie. But the Border Patrol detained her and her three-month-old baby. Separated from her baby and facing deportation, Araceli had begged her mother to take Isaac. Jessica squeezed her eyes. Araceli in her loose orange jumpsuit, gaunt with dark circles under her eyes, haunted her. Araceli's eyes had darted around as she whispered about guards groping and beating her. Could it be that Jessica was the fortunate one? The gifts and money for Araceli consolations for being left behind. What's going to happen to Araceli? Tio Enrique lowered the volume of the accordion music blasting from the radio. They'll send her back, and she will try again so she can be with her son. It isn't fair, but that is life. Life isn't fair. Jessica whipped her head around. Why didn't Mommy bring Araceli? How could she leave a three-year-old behind in Oaxaca? Basta, said Tio Enrique as he gripped the wheel and stared ahead, his jaw clenching and unclenching. Jessica gazed at him, startled. He'd never shown much emotion, especially not anger. She wrapped her arms around baby Isaac and stared ahead, pressing her lips. Your mother did the best she could, he said, his voice softer. They killed your father in front of her, shot him as he left the house. She had to leave immediately. But why would they come after her? Wasn't my father the leader? They both organized the community to strike against the power company. Your mother couldn't cross the border with a three-year-old. She didn't even know she was pregnant with you at the time. My father died for a stupid waterfall? It was more than that. Your parents were fighting to keep our pueblo alive. Losing the waterfall meant that the community would disappear. And it did. Why didn't he just come to the U.S. like you? Ah, oh, Nina. He groaned as he slapped his forehead with his left hand. We never wanted to leave Santa Catarina. That Pueblo is us. Without our Pueblo, 
we'll never grow permanent roots. He sighed. You were born here and don't understand. But you've done so well. You've got papers, your own landscaping business. You're the one we go to for everything. I only came because someone needed to make money for the family. He stared wistfully at the road ahead, his eyes on the cars. I always planned to go back, but there's no one left there, and my daughters are here. Jessica stuck her finger in the torn vinyl seat and felt the metal frame. You paid for the coyote to bring my mother over, right? She asked. He nodded. Why didn't you pay for Araceli to come? It wasn't the money, he said, pursing his lips, which he did when he was uncomfortable. Then why didn't anyone bring her? Why keep her away from her mother and sister? Something happened to your mother when she crossed the border. She won't speak about it, but it was bad. He paused, shaking his head. So bad, she tried to talk Araceli out of coming. Jessica shuddered as images of her mother and sister raped and beaten in the desert flooded her mind. That's all I know. The finality in her tío's voice closed the subject, and she knew not to push him. Tio Enrique searched on the radio until he found a banda station. Jessica hated that music. Can we listen to something else? Tio Enrique turned off the radio. You should listen to Mexican music. It's part of your culture. You kids can't even speak Spanish anymore. Jessica frowned. How could he miss Mexico? That dusty, poverty-stricken place everyone was trying to leave for the U.S. El Chico Munoz says everyone is killing each other and no one has money. He grimaced. That good for nothing? Please don't tell me you're seeing him. Jessica's cheeks burned. Her uncle was strict about boys, and he hated Chico because he'd been in jail and deported. So had her youngest uncle, but the family had sent him money for the coyote. Her mother forbade Jessica from seeing him, but it didn't stop her. When she was with Chico, she felt grown up and alive, his desire for her a new power. A pleasurable tingling coursed through her when she evoked his brown hands roaming her body. He was like a drug. When she was with him, nothing mattered. You don't get it. I get that he's in gangs and drugs and is too old for you. He's only five years older than me. The same age difference between my parents. He's 19 and you're a child. That man has been in prison. He brags about the people he's killed. Ugh. Jessica didn't know what she hated most, being called a child or negative comments about Chico. They didn't know him as she did. He'd hurt others, he claimed, killed men, but only to survive. And he swore he'd never tortured anyone. His stories about the border terrified her. The baby stirred, and she adjusted her seatbelt below his face. I wonder if he'll be traumatized by the detention center. She dried the sweat from her chest and the baby's head with a cloth diaper. Humming, she traced his little nose with her index. He'd barely moved since they picked him up. She swallowed, remembering the tantrum she'd thrown when her mother told her Araceli was on her way and would be moving into her room. Where am I going to sleep? You'll sleep with me. Araceli and Isaac need their own space. You snore, and I need privacy. It's not fair. Her mother's slap had shocked her into silence. You selfish girl. Jessica sulked the rest of that evening, furious. 
After her mother left for her night shift, she'd biked in the dark to the basement Chico rented in a house in town. They made out on Chico's bed. When he unbuttoned her jeans, she grasped his hand. Do you have protection? Sighing, Chico rolled off the bed and searched his backpack and the bathroom. I'm out. He sat next to her and tugged at her jeans' zipper. Come on, I promise I'll pull out. Jessica shoved his hand away and sat up, crossing her arms. You know the rules. Jessica rarely said no to Chico, often doing things she didn't want to. But she held firm when it came to condoms. There was no way she was ruining her life with a baby. Fuck, he said, getting up and putting on his sneakers. I'll run to the store. Before I forget. Chico lit a veladora in front of a 12-inch statue of La Santa Muerta, the patron saint of death, sitting on a chest of drawers. The female skeleton wore a black cape and held a scale and a scythe with her foot resting on a globe. My mother is having surgery tomorrow. Watch over her, Flaquita, he said, kissing his fingers, then touching the statue's head and Isla's skull. Do you believe in her? Jessica asked. I owe her my life. When I was in Juarez, a rival cartel kidnapped me and were going to kill me. I watched them torture and kill my friend. I was next, so I prayed to her. Chico waved his left hand, missing the pinky. They spared me, but left their mark. The priest said she's blasphemy against religion and a cult to the devil. Who do you believe? A pedophile priest? Jessica shook her head. You can't trust your fucking mother for sure. Jessica cringed. Her mother was annoying, but hearing Chico swear at her made her stomach shrink. La Santa Muerta accepts everyone. Drug dealers, murderers, poor, rich. She doesn't care who you are or what you request. Ask her anything. You'll see. Chico pulled on a hoodie. You stay right there while I go get more condoms. We're here. Tio Enrique interrupted her memories as he drove into a Walmart parking lot, packed on Saturday morning. He steered slowly, yielding to a man with a cart loaded with cases of beer, then slid into a place in front of the giant store. With the AC blasting, he turned to look at her, his right fingers on the keys. You're smart, and I'm proud of the effort you've put into school. You need to help Araceli and Isaac now. I will. At least Isaac is in a safer place, Jessica said, patting the baby's back. I'm going to save the money I make this summer to help pay for Araceli's coyote. Enrique turned off the engine, and they descended into the hot, dusty desert air. Jessica held the baby on her left hip, the sweat rolling down the back of her neck. She grabbed her purse and a small blanket to protect the baby from the blast of AC that would hit when they entered the store. Don't you think he's too quiet? asked Jessica. Not even a whimper. Pobrecito probably gave up when no one answered his cries in the detention center. They entered the giant store, crammed with brown people speaking Spanish, pushing carts piled with groceries, dragging children and grandma behind. Let's get the diapers first and then look for a car seat, Tio said. Jessica shifted Isaac in her arms. Even though the nurse at the detention facility had told them the baby was underweight, her back ached from carrying him. Her arm trembled. Tio, can we get one of the things to carry babies? Like the bang, bang, bang. Fireworks from the parking lot? 
Uncle Enrique froze. The bang started up again, this time louder. Someone yelled, Code Brown! A thunderbolt knocked Jessica over and back. She held on to Isaac as she grasped empty air with one hand, landing on something soft, her uncle. Turning over, she curled herself over Isaac and felt her chest and stomach. There was nothing, only a dull pain on her tailbone from the fall. Tio? whispered Jessica, reaching to shake his arm, but he barely budged. Lifting her head a few inches, she made out his face, eyes open, unblinking. Shooter! Someone yelled and ran toward the store entrance. Gunshots thundered, screams echoed. Jessica prayed silently. Please, God, please save us. Please don't let Isaac be dead. Let him live. Let me live. Again and again she prayed, not daring to look at the quiet, unmoving bundle beneath her, or at the warm, uneven circle of red spreading around and beyond them. Police shouted and rushed into the store as Jessica lifted Isaac, his body limp in her arms. She stopped praying, a sob catching in her throat, remembering that night in Chico's room. After he left to buy condoms, Jessica knelt in front of Santa Muerta and asked, Please keep my sister and her baby Isaac from coming to Snoqualmie. La Flaquita had delivered with cruel indifference. Jessica clung to Isaac as the EMT struggled to pull him from her arms, muttering, I take it back, I take it back, take me instead.